first reading is from Exodus chapter 3 and is found on page 57. <clears throat> and it's the first uh, five verses, Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that, though the, fire, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here am I. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. This is the word of the Lord. And if you're able, the gospel is found in Mark's uh, gospel. <clears throat> and it's chapter 1, found on page 948. And we begin at verse 40. man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. At the bottom, Jesus was filled with compassion. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly but stayed outside in lonely places, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please do have a seat. I guess there's um, a good thing in this, a first and a last on the same day. The first being, this is the first time I've ever spoken at 8.45, and the best bit is if you don't like it, don't worry, I won't be back. <laughs> You've only got the once if it's that bad. So um, let's start by just praying. Father God, may the words that I speak be the words that you want me to convey. Open our hearts and minds to your words so that we may respond in the way you desire to us to. Amen. I wonder if you could all just have a look at your hands for a minute, because hands tell a lot about a people. I don't know if you've ever noticed, 
but um, I'm sure there'll be some people here that will have beautifully soft manicured hands, maybe with painted nails even, or yeah, but moisturised regularly and stuff. I'm suggesting that possibly those sexists might be more the ladies than the gents. But I mean, there'll be other hands here that maybe look a bit work-worn, maybe scarred or marked from the years of work. There'll be other hands here that may show signs of illness. They might show lumps and bumps of arthritis and bits like that. But our hands, they could tell an awful lot about us. This week, my hands have been very painty and sticky on Monday from Family Fun. Um, some of you will have had the same. I'm looking, is Kay here? Kay, Kay, Kay's hiding at the back. Kay's won't be painty because Kay came in on Monday and said, I don't mind what I do, but I'm not painting. <laughs> Kay had painted once, but I'm very grateful. Thank you. I think I still did get you with glue in the end, but thank you. Um, so some of them will have been might have been painty and sticky. When they've been cleaner, they've um, cuddled a very prem little baby that is still uh, three months old, I think, is still um, the size of a newborn, a very small newborn. They've also played with an older child um, with some life-changing problems, but he loves it at three if you do that walking around the garden on his hands. In fact, I did it so much the other week, he went to sleep. Um, I'm not sure what that says, but he loves the tactile of being touched, and he loves it when you clap, and he'll put his hands in between to clap with you. My hands have done lots of cooking and washing and all those sorts of stuff at home. Um, that's just a byproduct of being a mum and a wife, I think, isn't it? You just get on with it. I realised this week why I like working so much. Because when I had a day off, I spent the whole day doing housework. Like, why wouldn't I want to do work instead? So, yeah, I'm not taking time to do that. Um, but our hands, if you asked your hands what they'd done in the last week, or in a lifetime even, wow, wouldn't that be an amazing conversation? I think, I can't, we can't go into it now, but I was thinking about the stuff my hands have done over my lifetime, and I can't do that now because I'd be here forever. But maybe if you're with someone at lunchtime, it might be a good chat to have all the things that your hands would tell about you. But today's passage is about one very unique set of hands. It's Jesus' hands, or God's hands in a human form. Similar to the passage just a couple of weeks ago, Jesus encounters a man with leprosy, and this man begs Jesus to heal him. Can we just move on to the next one? Thank you. The man with leprosy, he'd have been rejected, neglected, forsaken, banned from his community, his family. That man had absolutely nothing to lose by going to Jesus, did he? He would have approached Jesus, though, uncertain if Jesus wouldn't even notice him. He would have approached Jesus uncertain if Jesus would talk to him. He'd have approached in hope, real hope, but certain, certainly he wouldn't have been certain that anything was going to change. But Jesus stretched out his hands and he touched that man. It was probably a really long time since anyone had touched that bloke, that man. But Jesus was the person that did. He reached out and he touched him. Now, I'm not professing to be any great fat. I don't hold a particular opinion either way about the royal family. And I'm certainly not putting them in the same league as Jesus. But what this story reminded me of as I was thinking about it over the week 
was in the 80s when HIV and AIDS was a new disease and everyone was very scared of it because we didn't know much about it. And I can remember Princess Diana going to the Terence Higgins Trust and touching people and that made absolutely national headlines because people were so scared about it. As I say, I'm not saying that it's on the same level, but it reminds me of a more recent time of a similar instance. Jesus' hands were absolutely untouchable hands. They were so powerful, he could touch anybody. He could touch all the untouchables. Jesus' hands had changed lives. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He'd driven out demons. He gave speech to the mute and even life to the dead. But Jesus' touch doesn't just stop at physical healing, does it? Jesus' powerful touch could give us strength when we feel weak. It can fuel enthusiasm. Jesus touches in so many ways, and he changes lives by it. So if we are to be God's hands today, and we to, we're to be his touch, I wonder who we reach out our hands to, and who we to try and touch. Now many of you know I've been part of this church for many, many years. I first came, obviously not to this building because it wasn't here, but I first went to the old church in 1981. That's a long time. I'm not quite 50, but I was quite young. I've been very happy here, but it is time to move on. While I've been part of this church family, I've left Joy Lane. I was there when I first came here. I went to secondary school, I left secondary school, I worked at Tesco's, I left there, went to university, trained to be a nurse, I've got married, I've had children, I've seen them baptised here, and in the last year it's been a much tougher year, where I've said goodbye to parents here, and how much I wish they could be here for today. For the last 12 years, not only have I had the privilege of worshipping God alongside all of you, and growing in faith with all of you. But I've also had the huge honour of being employed here. You've paid me to have the best job in the world. I am paid to play with children and make a mess. And boy, I champion that making a mess. But I'm also paid to help children know God and to know Jesus. My passion is for children to know about Jesus. It's to plant that seed. And whether I see that seed grown or not, do you know, I don't actually mind because that is in God's hands. Leaving was never in my plan. It was not something I ever thought I'd do. Um, earlier this year, I was worshipping here at a conference led by Steve Coney's. Now, while worshipping here, I had this random picture come into my mind of a jigsaw puzzle. Now, I don't think I've ever had a picture from God before. If I have, I wasn't aware of it and it passed me by. I'm sorry, God. But while I was here on that day, I had a very vivid picture of a jigsaw. It was a jigsaw of all different coloured pieces. No picture, just lots of different coloured pieces. Now, I wasn't even sure if it was a, a picture from God because, as I say, I had no experience in this. So how do you know? But then why, if you're worshipping, do you suddenly get a picture of a jigsaw in your head? I'm not a particular jigsaw fan, so I wasn't sure. So I spoke to Paulette about it. Now, it took me a couple of weeks to actually pluck up the courage, because I did think she might think I was just loopy, or more loopy than usual. 
But Paulette could see that picture, and she could see that there were pieces missing in the puzzle. Now, I didn't think I was going to be one of those missing pieces. I thought I was one of the nice ones in the middle somewhere, just happily going along. So I didn't really read anything into that. I didn't understand it. I thought it was a picture for everyone. I still think it is mainly a picture for everyone. Shortly after Easter, I saw the St. John's job advertised for the third time. I'd seen it advertised loads of times. hadn't meant anything to me at any point up until now. And suddenly, it was everywhere. It was in every email I opened. It was in every notice sheet I looked at. It was People were praying about it wherever I went. It just wouldn't give me up. Who said God isn't ready for this century? God sends you emails, I'm sure. So, there we go. So, then I thought, well, maybe I'll just look at the job description. And then you think about an application form. Now, I haven't applied for a job properly for many years. Um, I've kind of fallen from one thing into another, so I've not had to do that whole employing thing. So it was a bit of a challenge. And then I realised I'd have to list my O-levels. Yes, I am that old. I was the last year of O-levels, though. But I didn't even know what year I'd done my O-levels, let alone what grades I'd got. It was like years ago. So then you think, not for me. Dropped it into the conversation at home. See this job advertised. What do you think? No, you leave Cecil to mum. No, you're potty. They just thought it was another mum moment or wife moment. At least they were on my side. Then you have a little chat with your vicar, who's also been your friend for donkey's years. We've been friends, Paulette and I, probably since our Lucys were about one, and we spent an Ashburnham weekend in the creche together, along with a couple of other mums. I think we had the spirit of Ashburnham, but just in the creche. So we've been friends for a long time, and we've journeyed through lots of stuff together, trainings and curacies and all that sort of stuff. And she says these really helpful things. Not like, oh, you can't possibly leave. No, she says, well, I can't stand in God's way, or maybe you need to nudge the door and see what happens. Fab, that's not working, is it, for me? So, okay, we'll try another tack. We'll try elsewhere. So I went and spoke to mum, who by now was living in Bradbury Grange. I still saw her virtually every day, and we'd still go out for lunch, and she was still fairly together. I spoke to her, and as any of you know that know my mum, she is not scared to speak her mind. She, she would always have told you exactly what she thought, um, and she'd be the first to admit that. But mum, she said, yeah, I think you should go for it. So I thought, oh, she is more confused than I realised, because I still wasn't ready to listen. So we go on. But it did start the prayer, that talking with mum did actually kickstart the whole prayer process for me. Um, and I found that the more I prayed, the more I felt God saying, I think this is where you need to go. But I still wasn't ready to listen. I still wasn't ready to put my hands out to God and say, I'm going to go. So I tried a new approach with God. I thought, I've got him on this one. I can't afford to go from 40 hours to 20 hours. Financially, not sensible. So what does God do? Suddenly, there's a 10-hour job somewhere else that I really fancy. Thanks, God. Whoever says God doesn't have a sense of humour, he's an awesome God. So the rest is history from there. Here I am today. 
clearly God was and is asking me to reach out and touch and use my hands elsewhere. New people, new children, new families. So here is where I'll be. But God isn't actually just asking this of me. It's been a lot about me this morning and it's not about me. It's about God. Because God isn't asking just me to use my hands for him. God's asking us all to use our hands for him. I wonder in the days and weeks ahead how we'll touch others, where we'll reach out. I think it will be as exciting for you in Seasalter as it will be for me elsewhere. Just by touching and reaching out, it can be something as easy as just smiling at someone. It might be picking up a phone and talking to someone that lives on their own and might not have any other conversation that day. There's so many ways we can reach out and touch. Just as God reached out and touched through Jesus, that man with leprosy, God continues to reach out today through us. Let's pray. Father God, just as you use Jesus' hands to touch others, we give you our hands to reach out and touch wherever you want us to. Lead us towards the places you want us to go and towards the people you want us to touch. In Jesus' name, amen.